Welcome to the Fit Girl Magic Podcast. If you are ready to find your inner magic, develop great habits, and a rock steady mindset to feel confident, comfortable, and fit in your body, you are in the right place. I am Kim Barnes Jefferson, and I'll be giving you weekly doses of health, fitness, and life tips sprinkled with humor and real talk. If you're ready to be consistent without the stress of perfection, magic makers, it's time to slip into your favorite pair of PJs, grab some coffee, kick back, and listen to today's show. And here is this week's iTunes review. It comes to you from Dub by V. She writes, I love the podcast. You speak your mind and you don't sugarcoat anything. I love your energy and your good spirit. Oh, that just fills my heart. You don't even understand how much I enjoy these reviews. So please, if you feel the need, please go to iTunes or wherever you watch, watch listen to this podcast, do me a favor and hit me up with a five-star review. I absolutely love them. They mean the world to me and I will read it on my podcast. So thank you so much, Dub by V. It does mean the world to me. All right. Hey, magic makers. You know, so many people say in order to lose weight, you have to be in a calorie deficit. And I truly believe that you do have to be in a calorie deficit. But what does that mean? You know, and this year, I want to do my best to kind of break apart some of the things that we as fitness professionals, we just kind of throw out these words and we just assume you know what the hell we're talking about. So instead of just throwing out words. Let me just break it down for you. And again, if there are other, you know, conversations you want to have, raise your hand and be like, girl, I don't even know what, whatever it is that you don't know what means. Just hit me up. I would love to know that. So that way I can really take a little bit of a deeper dive into um, these topics for you. So let's first talk about calorie. Like what the hell is a calorie? It a calorie was measured in a lab and it basically heated up a, a unit of food and it said, this is how much energy it burns. So it's just us giving vocabulary to energy that is in food. There it is. So one of the biggest things, things I don't like about calories is that in a lab, an apple doesn't work the same in my body. In a lab, they're not putting an apple with a yogurt with some chia seeds and seeing what the impact is on that. And for many people, I don't know if you've heard about net calories or net carbs. That's what it is, net carbs. That kind of thing makes me nuts because it's like they're not doing that stuff in a lab. It's some marketing person saying, well, you know, fiber adds more bulk to food. So that means that the carbs aren't having as much of an effect on your body. How do you know? Show me the science. Show me the science. So I want you to think about calories is just a way to measure energy that is in food. And so that what people have translated is that, and I know many people can say this to me, that it takes 3,500 calories to burn a 3,500 calories to lose a pound, right? So many of you guys can recite that. And then so many people are like, it's 500 calories a day and that's how I'm going to lose weight. However, right, 
if I take in an extra 2000 calories, I'm going to gain a pound. So there's this, this, I'm going to say this happy medium that it's harder to lose the weight than it is to gain the weight. Yeah, sucks out loud. So for those of you who are practically starving themselves to lose this weight, it can be really fucking hard. And let's just put this out on the table. You know, if you've been listening to my podcast for as long as I've been doing the podcast, or if you're fresh here, I do not candy coat anything because girl, we are over 40. We ain't got time. We have spun our wheels and now we just need to just hit the ground running. So here's what I know. It is going to take you longer than you think. Gone are the days that you're losing one to two pounds a week. I'm sorry. I I just don't want you to set yourself up and be frustrated. You're no longer going to lose one to two pounds a week. Hey, magic makers, are you ready to lose that belly fat and finally reclaim your health? Well, I have something that you might like. I call it the belly fat code. It is my game changing program designed for women like you who are done with dieting and ready to live a life without worrying about the good food, bad food list. Imagine a life where you feel absolutely in control of your body and your food choices without the constant pressure to diet. You are no longer on that struggle bus. You're saying hello to a less frustrated, happier, healthier life minus the belly fat. So if you are nodding along right now, I got you. The belly fat code is for you if you are done chasing a diet. If you are ready to change your health and banish that belly fat for good, the belly fat code is tailor-made for women just like you who are ready to transform their lives and wave, wave goodbye to that stubborn belly fat once and for all. I don't know who needs to hear this, but you deserve to live your life to the fullest without diet restrictions and overtraining holding you back. It's time to stop being a Debbie dieter and finally start to get your confidence back so you're no longer second guessing every little thing you put in your mouth. Or if you're someone who knows what to do, but your body hasn't changed in years, I found your solution. Don't wait any longer, ladies. Hop on this opportunity to hop on the belly fat code Waitlist, it's coming later this year. You will say hello to a new life where you feel in charge and belly fat is a distant memory. So what are you waiting for? Let's do this together. The waitlist link is up in the show notes. Do me a favor, click on it, and you will be the first person to know when I start to open the doors for the belly fat code. Have a fabulous day. It is possible to overeat healthy healthy foods. Many women come to me and their diet is just fabuloso. It is not littered with Taco Bell and McDonald's and Chick-fil-A and ice cream. No, it is very good. However, hard fact I had to learn, no matter how clean you eat, no matter how many times you go to Whole Foods, no matter how many organic, whatever you're eating, it's possible to still overeat healthy, clean food. And lastly, you are going to want to quit. You're going to get so bleeping frustrated that you're just going to want to kick the wall and be like, I'm out. I'm just out. So how does it start? I like to think about calories as your bank account, right? How many of you don't look at your bank account? Many of you can look at your phone right now and be like, oh, a charge just went through from this place and a charge just went through from that place and a charge. You know your stuff like you are on it. And that's what we're doing with our food. Now, here's what I know. Many people are like, okay, I'm tracking my food. I can't. It kills me. I feel you. Am I asking you to track your food for the rest of your natural born life? 
No. What I'm asking is how do we start to track our foods for now just to understand where we are, right? I have to start where I am. I need to know what am I putting into my mouth? Now, if that is too much for you, I ask you to track one thing. So let's see how many vegetables I'm putting into my body. So every time I eat a fruit or a vegetable, track that. Every time I eat a protein, track that. So if I track at least those two things, it gives me a gauge for where I am, where there's room for improvement, or maybe I'm rocking it. I don't know. But it also helps us develop patterns because maybe I find that I had a bad day and I'm eating more. I had a great day. I'm eating more. I didn't sleep. I'm eating more. I had a great workout and I'm just like ravenous. You know, so those are the things that we're looking for so that we can start to strategize where our food goes. All right. And so the more we become aware of what we eat, we can start to get our appetite and our eating patterns under control. You know, and I know there's some people who listen to me like, Kim, I think about food from the moment I wake up to the moment I go to bed. I feel you. And that's a very different thing. And, you know, you might, I, I want to say you might want to have a conversation with someone because that is a long time thing. And um, that's beyond my scope. But I want you to start thinking about, is it time to have a conversation with a professional about that? Um, because that for a lot of people, you know, food obsession, you know, there's a borderline between where it is kind of controlling it with our, our habits. And then maybe sometimes it's a conversation where a little bit, someone with a little bit more, uh, professional guidance can be, um, that support for you. And if you feel that way, do me a favor, just reach out for me and I can, um, do my best to point you in the direction of, um, people who can support you if in that um in that regard all right so as we're starting to you know want to start to think about how do we practice kind of like calorie control and this is what i know starvation doesn't work skipping meals only triggers cravings and binges further down the line and so you know one of my uh clients who were in the last round of the belly fat code you know i was like write down your food well she was intermittent fasting she didn't eat, she, she was a group fitness director. She was a group fitness uh, instructor. She was intermittent fasting. She would have a protein shake to break her fast. And then she would have popcorn in the middle of the day, bowls and bowls of skinny pop popcorn. And then she would have dinner. And she was like, God, like, I just feel like I'm always hungry. I'm starving. And I'm like, you are. <laughs> that skinny pop popcorn is not give, feeding you. You know, it, as I look, you know, I'm looking at it. It's like you have that protein shake in the morning and you have this great dinner, but in the middle of the day, you're just feeding yourself like nothing. Like there's absolutely no redeeming quality about popcorn. And you're teaching, you know, 10, 15 classes a week. You're, like your, your body is like begging for food because of your activity level. So skipping meals is not the answer. Even though you had a protein shake and you're having a great dinner, that's two meals out of your whole day. And many of you listening probably aren't as busy as she was. So I want you to start think about, am I skipping meals? And am I skipping them on purpose or am I grazing throughout the day? You know, maybe it's I'm having a handful of popcorn here and a handful of nuts here and a rice cake here versus sitting down and having like an actual meal. 
or the other thing is I hear women and I know that I, I, uh, I hear this is the clean the plate club, right? You know, we, uh, as you grew up, you were conditioned that you had to eat everything on your plate or you couldn't have dessert or you couldn't leave the table or what have you. And I feel that, you know, and depending on what era you grew up in, there were starving people in India, Africa, China, wherever, and you were just being wasteful. I get that. And I understand that. So one of the ways to combat the must clean my plate, take smaller amounts. There's always more. Like that's the one thing I want people, if, especially if you're a food obsession kind of person, there's always more, right? There's always more. And that's one of the things that stopped me from one, in, like just always feeling like I had to like E-E-E, was I just had to start thinking about there's always more. Now for other people, it might not be as simple as that. It, it might not be, you know, a reframing. And I understand that. And I'm sensitive to that. And I just want you to, to know that, that you're like easy for you to say, I feel you. I was an eye roller too, but I want you to start to think to yourself, like I can take a smaller amount and then know that I can always go back for seconds versus feeling like I need to eat everything on my plate because of, you know, being part of the clean, being part of the clean, the plate club. Also eating slowly, you know, and I've, I've told this story before and it was very um, eye-opening for me was that um, I was, I did a uh, meditation um, class and my friend Gina she gave everyone a Hershey uh, kiss, you know, the little kiss, the little kiss wrapped in foil. So she said, okay, we're going to eat. It's going to take us 15 minutes to eat this Hershey kiss. And you're like, you know, the Hershey kiss is like, you know, maybe two bites and you're done. So she said, okay, first just look at it. Then we smell it. And then we slowly unwrap it. And then she's like, smell it again, lick it. Put it in your mouth, but don't bite. Just like let it sit there and like melt on your tongue. And it was her slowing down the food process because how many of us sometimes eat and we don't even recall the taste of our food? And you know, you're probably like, Kim, what does that have to do with about calorie? Well, many of us consume our calories because we are not, we're not being in the moment. We're not like sitting there, we're scrolling on our phone or we're, you know, engaged in like such, you know a discussion that we just aren't taking the time to savor the bites. And so the big thing is like, take a bite, put my food down, like slow it down. Uh, think of it as like food foreplay, you know, <laughs> make it nice and slow. Uh, because studies show that it takes 20 minutes for what happens in our brain to tell our stomach, or sorry, what happens in our stomach to tell our brain, hey, this is filling, this is filling. And so as we like scarf it down, sometimes like after that, like, initial like scarf down, we might feel a little sick because we ate a little bit too much. We ate a little bit too fast. And our body's just like, just trying to like adjust to what we, what we put in the stomach. So here's where, you know, it's like working to find that middle ground. Again, it's going to be slower. Like I know that you want to just nail it. You're like, I want to listen to this podcast, go out and do the steps, nail it and just be like, all right, boom, next on my list. And sadly, that's not how it works. For many of us, what we need to do is just kind of absorb this and say, where am I, right? So it could just be me writing down my food for a, a couple of weeks. Great, awesome. And then it's like, okay, maybe I notice a pattern. 
maybe I'm like, you know, hey, you know, Kim mentioned that I could always reach out to her and she can help me out. Absolutely. Right. Because I, as I share this information, there are some of you who are self-guided. Great. Love it. And there's some of you who are just like, you know, I have been spinning my wheels for a really long time and maybe it is time to raise my hand because I know that everyone listening here, you've been dieting for a long, long, long time and you know, but sometimes that person over your shoulder just to be like, oh, did you notice this? Did you notice that? And trust me, you know, from time to time, I do. I hire a coach because I need that. I need a little like, oh, have you noticed that you, this is creeped up or that's creeped up or, you know, what are you doing over there in the weight department? Like that stuff, it's really good. It's just like, we all need that kind of audit, if you will. You know, I, um, when I was in corporate, I worked for a public company and every quarter we had an audit. And it wasn't because that our accounting department sucked. I mean, it was federally mandated, but however, <laughs> but it wasn't because of the, the, it was just kind of like, what's going on here? You're, let's have that that second set of eyes just kind of give it an audit. And that's all right. Having an audit is fabulous because it helps you move past, especially when you feel like you're spinning, 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 spinning. So when I eat, put my fork down, take a couple bites, put my fork down, chew, right? I think there was something like, you know, chew 20 or 30 times. Feel free to do that, but just chew your food like, you know, don't chop it down in two bites. Like just pause, chew, enjoy, relish the flavors that are coming in your food. So the big thing with calories is that we want to choose calories that are going to help us stay full. And so when I normally say calories, so many people want to dramatically cut back their calories. And when I dramatically cut back their calories, it is going to bite you in the ass. Trust me. Trust me, it will always bite you in the ass. And it's not this like, there's no magic calorie number for, for everyone. For so many people, they're like 1,200 calories. And brutal honesty, I'm like, for a lot of people, unless you weigh 100 pounds, 1,200 calories is way too little. And you will always feel hungry unless you've just trained yourself to be at that 1,200 calorie level. And, you know, I just want to always ask, like, how is your energy level? You know, how's your hunger? Uh, how's your energy? How are your cravings? And so as we work through this podcast, I want to you know show you that, yes, being in a calorie deficit is exactly where we want to be, one. Two, how do we stay full in this calorie deficit? Because maybe if I track my calories, I'm more like 2,000 calories eating, and I should be at 1,600 calories. And so how do I account for that 400 uh, calorie deficit and still feel full? So how do I do that? And don't worry, I'm going to teach you how to calculate all of this. But I'm just like saying, okay, when I dive into that number, I don't want anyone, anyone to be like clutching their pearls and be like, oh my God, what should I do? So first things first, and many of you under eat this, and many of you will grab your pearls when I tell you the number or when you calculate the number for protein that you should be eating. So first, protein is your bestie. Fruits and vegetables come next. And, you know, I don't want to hear fruit has sugar in it. This is natural sugar. It is not, you know, I'm not asking you to go out and have like those, um, I don't know if they still make them, but they they used to make these like um, jellied uh, candies that were like cut like orange slices, cut like, like lemon slices. I don't know if they still make that, but it was literally sugar coated. I'm not asking you to go out and buy that. That 
is sugar. I'm asking you to go out and have true fruit. It came off of a tree. It came out of a root, you know, it dug from the ground, whatever. I'm asking you to have fruits and vegetables because as a woman over 40, you're going to need that fiber. That fiber is going to what is going to help pull out the extra estrogen, the extra cholesterol and help us eliminate it from our body. Second, or I'm sorry, I'm, I think about three. Carbs. Carbs are your best friend. I hate when people are like, I'm just going to cut my carbs and go keto. No, the hell you are, not on my watch. Carbs are what keep you thinking. When I was doing fitness competitions, the last week, the last week of the show, of getting ready for the show is when I had to really like tamper down my carbs. But it was only for a week, five days. And I was getting on stage for a competition. I wasn't being like, oh, I just want to spit into my skinny jeans that I wore 20 years ago. It was a for a athletic event. And then I went back to normal eating. So carbs are your best energy source. And what I'm going to tell you this is that carbs chase water. So if I dump my carbs, it feels good because when I step on that damn scale, it goes down. However, when I bring carbs back in, that scale is going to go back up because carbs like water. And so for every gram of carbs that I have in my body, I take two grams of water. Um, sleep and stress, they are interchangeable because if I am not sleeping or I'm stressed like a mofo, I might be one of those people who are an overeater or I'm going to be someone who doesn't eat. You decide, you know, you know who you are in, in, in a stress, uh, stressed out state in a sleep state. So let's, you know, we'll focus on those two things and then beverages, you know, I see it all the time. You know, you, you go to a a Starbucks, a Dunkin' Donuts, or any coffee shop, and they're ordering the Mocha Loco Laka and the you know the largest size they have, and it's you know just riddled with empty um, calories. Now, don't get me wrong; from time to time, yeah, I have one of those things, but it's not an every morning kind of thing that you're having one of those types of uh, drinks. All right, so how do we break into creating this calorie? Uh, how does it start to break down into this calorie deficit? First is that we start by we start by saying how many calories do we really need? Okay, so I want you to take your goal body weight and multiply it by twelve. Now, if you're someone who has a lot of weight to lose, I want you to take the first ten pounds. So I'm making this up. So say if you're two hundred pounds and you want to be a hundred pounds, okay. And honestly, if you are 200 pounds, you want to be 100 pounds, I'm going to ask you when was the last time you were 100 pounds. If the last time you were 100 pounds was like when you were in your 20s or in high school, how about we cut that in half and say you want to lose, you want to break, get it down to 150 pounds so that we have a 50 pound weight loss and then we can reevaluate from there. Okay. So if I wanted to, if I was at 200 pounds, let's say I wanted to, I'm going to bring myself down to 180 pounds. Okay. So I'm going to take 180 times 12. So 180 times 12 is 2,160 calories. Okay. So that is the calorie goal that I'm going to be shooting for. Now I'm going to calculate how much protein I'm going to eat. So I'm going to take that goal weight, 180, and I'm going to multiply it by one. And that gives me 180 grams. So I'm ideally I'm shooting to have 2,100 calories roughly and 180 grams of protein. And so how I would go about doing this in creating my meals is that I would go in and I would say, okay, 180 grams, how can I achieve that goal? 
Now, for so many, many of you, you'd be like, oh my God, 180 grams, that seems like a lot. Yeah, it is. It's, it's, it's a lot to start. And, but maybe we kind of start with our good, better, best. So maybe we start with like, if I can get 100 grams, 150, 180, right? So we can start to kind of stair step our way to that 180 um, goal and focus on protein being the, the builder of your plate. Right. So as I'm building my plate, we talked about, you know, protein is your bestie. And then we kind of bring in kind of like your second, second layer of a besties being the uh, carbs of, you know, the fruits and vegetables. And then we bring in those good fats to round out our calories. So, you know, people will say, well, how many meals is that? Now, many of you might have, you know, gone the bro science way that I did. When I first started losing weight, if I didn't have five meals a day, ugh, the, the, the sky was going to open up and the lightning bolts would come out of it. And, you know, there has been no science. And if you have if you've seen a study, please let me know. But there's no science that five meals a day is is the holy grail. There hasn't there's no science. And one of the things that I've seen, especially for women over 40, is that as we move into that perimenopausal menopausal phase, insulin resistance builds up. And that's primarily because we're feeding too much. And so for many of the women that I, I work with, I recommend that they have anywhere from three to four meals a day. Now, there are outliers out there who I have, you know, my shift workers who are working, you know, the seven to seven shifts and they're doing heavy lifting, like my nurses are out there. So they're moving patients around, they're walking a lot. Um, I have a woman who actually works in like a floral nursery, right? So she's walking a lot. So there's different, you know, outliers, but for the bulk of the people who are, you know, sitting in their office every day, three to four meals a day pretty much is your sweet spot. And, you know, Many of you will probably be like, well, Kimball, what about intermittent fasting? Uh, uh, agreed. Intermittent fasting has gotten a lot of praise from a lot of big menopausal names out there, and they swear by it. Now, for me, I think it's helpful, but it's not the end all for many. And for many people who already have disordered eating, this might just re like lean right into your disordered eating. And I think, um, and I have intermittent fasting, so I don't, I don't want you to be like, I, you know, I can't, for me, I can't talk about it unless I tried it. And for me, um, when I first started working through all of my menopausal issues, I intermittent fasted as a way to break me from eating by the clock. I was a huge clock eater and intermittent fasting was how I was able to open up my windows between food and really learn, was I really hungry? Now, I do believe in, you know, shutting down your kitchen at a specific time. So, and when I say that, it's not like, don't eat after six o'clock. That's bullshit. Whatever your last meal is of the day, that is the last meal. Kitchen is closed, right? Lock it up. So for me, I work on Monday and Tuesday night. So my last meal is like 8.30, 9 o'clock at night. So if I were to follow the intermittent fasting guidelines and the close the kitchen at 6, I'd be freaking starving because a lot of my energy happens from six to nine. So it wouldn't really work for me. And, you know, I had this conversation with a client of mine. She's in the same boat. She's a group fitness instructor. And she was like, 
hey, Kim, I'm doing the 12-6 workout, 12-6 fasting, but she's like, I'm starving all the time. And I'm like, well, when's your last class? And she's like, oh, my last class, you know, she teaches, she taught at 6.30 and she taught at 7.30. And I was like, so you, you're you eating, your last meal is like at five so that you can teach the 6.30 class. And then you're actively teaching this spin class. And then you're actively teaching a second spin class. I'm like, and you're starving. Like, duh. So, when it comes to intermittent fasting, we have to make the schedule work for us. And so for many of you, just shutting down the kitchen after your last meal. So for me, my last meal on Monday and Tuesday, I finish eating at nine and I don't eat again until nine the next morning. However, if I know that I'm going in and I'm doing like a heavy lift, like if I know that it's leg day, or, you know, I look at where I am in my, you know, periodized program and I'm doing, um, I'm, I'm focusing in on the strength portion where I'm only lifting five reps, five times, like five reps, five rounds. Then that means I'm lifting heavy weight. So I'm like, you know what? I want some energy in my tank. So energy in my tank doesn't have to be like a big meal. You know, for me, a half a protein bar works like a charm. You know, I love, you know, um, if I do, you know, I, from time to time I do go to a gym and I live like 20 minutes for the gym. So I eat that protein bar on my way out the door. And so by the time I'm ready to actually like, I get to the gym, change my clothes and lift that protein bar has digested, um, a, like a, a, a half a protein shake, just a little bit, something in your stomach, BCAAs, something that, um, just in your stomach so that you get to have that power on board. You know, there's no, um, I know there another bro science here that was like, Oh, if you work out on a fasted stomach, you, you know, tap into your fat stores, believe it or not, the science doesn't support that. The science says that, you know, the glycogen that we have run around in our bloodstream from our liver pretty much gets used up overnight and that the glucose that we do have comes from our muscles. So we think we're burning excess fat and we're really not doing that. We're not tapping into those fat stores at all. And many of us have trained ourselves to like not eat in the morning or not be hungry. And I just, I challenge you, like if I'm hungry in the morning, eat, like have that half a protein bar and see how it feels, see how it feels for you. Um, because intermittent fasting, it's that I want you to have gaps between your meals so that we start to learn how to feel hungry versus it's 10 30 it's time to eat because like you know you've kind of been like pavlov's dogs right uh, so i want you to think more about um more about that and so if you want to talk more about intermittent fasting do me a favor um hit me up in the dms i am working on a uh intermittent fasting specific podcast uh for later in the year so stay tuned on that so and when it comes to meals, I recommend you know anywhere from three to four. If you're someone who are, is one of those outliers and you have like a very active job, you know you might be up there at five, six meals. You know it really all depends on you, and that's you know definitely something that you know as a coaching client, you and I would like work to see what to dial in um, where your um, where your meals are and so forth. So how do you choose those meals? Excuse me. How do you choose those meal? excuse me, how do you choose those meal patterns? So like I mentioned, for people earlier, work out earlier in the morning, you know, you've used a lot of energy in the morning. So maybe your breakfast and your lunch are bigger. 
But maybe you're someone who works out at night. So maybe your lunch and your snack before you head into the workout are bigger. And so it's just kind of like, you know, look at like how you go, like how you range, you know, I'm a morning workout. And I know that some days, like if I like have like a heavy lift, my breakfast, I need to be, I need to power pack that with protein and some carbs or I'm starving. And, you know, that those are just like observations that I've made like over the years. And I want you to start to just make those same observations because what worked for us 10 years ago isn't working for us now. Sorry, not sorry. Like we have to start to really start to key into like what our bodies need for us now versus looking at some like old outdated rule book um, that isn't giving us the results that we want. And if you are getting the results that you want, cool. But if you're not, here's where, you know, I encourage you that maybe it's time to take a, you know, a, a, a marker to that, that, that rule book that you've been following and start to make some adjustments to that. Um, you know, I'm going to talk about water, but you know, all of us know that water. So one of the biggest uh, things I always tell people is that, you know, they're like, I know everyone's like eight glass of water a day. This has been drilled into us for a million years. But the biggest thing I want you to think about is like, think about your goal weight. So if my goal weight is a hundred pounds, I want to have a hundred ounces of water. And how do I get a hundred ounces of water on board? You know, I can walk around with those big giant, you know, hundred ounce, you know, big gallon water bottles. Great. And if that's for you, great. Or, you know, for me, I keep it simple. So this thing right here that I'm holding up that you can't see on the podcast, it has 30 ounces of water. I know that if I drink three of these, I'm 10 away from my goal. And that's really simple math for me. Drink three of these, Kim, and you are good. That's that's where I, you know, that's where I live, that I have 100 ounces of water. Nine out of 10, I use about four of those. So I want you to start thinking about, you know, what does that look like? Um, what does your water intake look like for you? And are you doing it on a consistent basis? Now, when it comes to calorie deficit, many people will be like, well, how do I burn it off? And I know that that's, you know, what we were taught, like, you know, calories in, calories out. To a point, to a point. Um, and I know all of us have some type of apparatus that tells us how many calories we burn, you know, our Apple watches or our Fitbits or whatever. So the machine that you're on, one, the machine that you're on ha probably hasn't been calibrated since they took it out of the box ever X many years ago when they got said uh, treadmill, elliptical, what have you. Same thing, Peloton, the whole bit. Like they do a good job of guesstimating. Everything, everything you look at is a great job of guesstimating. However, this is how calories actually break down. All right. So if this is a, out of a hundred percent, out of a hundred percent, seventy percent of the calories you burn on a daily basis are just for you to live. Like so, if I sat still and I didn't do anything. It's just to have me breathe, blink my eyes, you know, get up and out of a chair. That's called BMR, your basal metabolic rate. And so this is like your base level. Like this is for you to do absolutely nothing, but just to like exist. Like if you were just to like lay in your bed, this is how many calories you would have to take in to keep your body alive. Okay. Then the second biggest part of um, calories you burn is from acts of daily living, right? So that's why people are like, get in your steps, you know, fidget, move, what have you. And for those of you looking at the YouTube video, like you see, I use my hands a lot to talk. I fidget, you know, that's, you know, 
what you are, acts of daily living. I remember when I first started on this journey, I used to um, I used to live like a half mile from the bus stop. And I would, you know, I remember telling my trainer, I'm like, oh, I live a half mile from the bus stop. He's like, doesn't count. And I'm like, what? It does count. You know, those acts of daily living, those count. Um, and this is the one place that I like really saw it glaringly. So I teach group fitness. When Rona hit and we were told to stay home, I used to walk probably 20,000 steps a day. Didn't even think twice about it. It's just what I did, like 20,000 steps. We were told to stay our butts home. I was doing 5,000 steps a day. I, I lost 15,000 steps just from my life, my acts of daily living. So I want you to know that it does add up. Those little, those steps do add up. So if you aren't having those acts of daily living, if you work in like a corporate environment, you know, one of the biggest things when I did work in corporate was that I went to the bathroom the furthest from my from my desk. There was one around the corner. I went to the opposite uh, side of the building to go to the bathroom. You know, I went to the opposite side of the room uh, of the building to get water. I took the stairs, right? I didn't park at the closest parking spot. I parked further away. All these little things, yeah, they add up because 20% of the calories you burn come from acts of daily living. 10% come from food, right? So the thermogenic effect of food, 10% just my digestive system, just churning up the food that I, I gave it. And the more fibrous foods I give, I'm definitely gonna hit that 10%. And then we have actual exercise. So this is like you physically going to the gym and checking off that workout. So half that, you know, you're walking and your actual exercise is double the walking. So that's why we hear so much about walking. That's why we hear so much about the acts of daily living. But also this is one of the things I see it. You know, I just got back from visiting my family in Florida and I see, I see what happens when you don't move, move it or lose it. And I know this is morbid and no one wants to talk about it. No one wants to think about it, but hell it's coming for you. And trust me, I want to walk around unassisted. My grandmother is 102 years old and she only uses a cane. She doesn't have a hump in her back. That's, that's my goal. Like OC Barnes, you are my goal. And how I get that right fucking now. Right? So Make sure I'm getting in my walks because, you know, how many of you want to be able to get up and walk outside and get your mail, walk your dog, you know, play with your grandkids, play with your great grandkids. That's how you do it. Move it or lose it, right? Walking is a great, that's why walking is simple. Yeah, boring as hell for some people, but, you know, I know that when I first started walking and I was told to walk, I literally rolled my eyes. I was like, are you kidding me? But now I found it's my time. And the days that like, I want to go for a walk and it's like raining today. I'm like, dang, I want to go for a walk so bad, but I can't pop in night. I pop in my headphones. I listen to a podcast or just get lost in my thoughts. It's Kim time. And, you know, over the last few years, Kim time has become like just so valuable to me. So, 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 so valuable to me. The other way I can boost, the, you know, in my accent or in my exercise area, the big thing I can boost to get a nice, fantastic physique, burn some more calories and push out the fat, strength training, 
right? And I know so many people hear strength training. I will, I get it. But there's a reason. One, three to five days a week, strength training. But start where you are. You know, I want to lift heavy weights, but heavy is relative. You know, the last two to three reps feel challenging but doable. That's where we start. And see, you know, as we work our way through the uh, periodized workout, can I start lifting heavy weights? You know, again, same for adding on to our longevity is that you want to be able to like stand up from a chair without having to, you know, press on the sides of the chair to get up. Hell, get off a toilet, you know, get yourself out of a car. You know, I see so many people struggle doing that. And these are the things that like strength training will really help you. You know, so many people are like, I want six pack abs. No, I'm going to get off the fucking toilet. Like that's, that's a goal. You know, if six pack abs is for you, great. But I want to ask you in when you're 90, is that six pack going to get you off the damn toilet? No, it's not. So really focusing on like, let's start strength training now so that we can start building into that. We have longevity versus, you know, I just want to look hot. Let's kind of think about how do we actively live? And if that's your goal, and I'm, I'm, I don't want anything you think I'm making light of it, but I really want for those people who are like kicking the can down the road, the road is going to end and you want to make sure you're lifting. I remember, or this is probably a couple weeks ago. This wasn't probably, it was a couple weeks ago. I'm uh, visiting my family and they live in an active adult community. And I, my husband and I are in the gym working out. And this woman, I'm going to say she was like 70. She's like pushing like 35 on the bench press. And I was like, you go. Yeah, girl, that's what I want to see. And so then she's pushing 35s. And I was like, then I got to push 40s. <laughs> like It just was like, I, you know, if she can do that at 75, that's, you know, sh she's my girl. And I look at, you know, I look at other like strong actresses. Like I look at like Tina Turner. Angela Bassett, like they are just like Angelina Jolie. They're just like Madonna. They're just strong, right? They just have like the strong presence. And that's what I want to have. That's what I want you to have as we work our way to the, uh, you know, as we work our way through this whole active aging thing, that's active aging. You know, it's not the collagen, you know, in my coffee, it's the, can I lift heavy shit, you know, because strength training is essential to improve our muscle tone, but it also gives us that, pushes up that basal, basal metabolic rate because if that basal metabolic rate, the one that like really burns the bulk of calories, that means I can eat more, right? I'm burning ca more calories at rest. So adding these, these things into your daily routine, do you have to be at the gym for 90 minutes? No, 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 no. This is something that you could do. Like lately I've been doing like 20 to 30 minute workouts and you can crush it if you're choosing heavy enough weights. And so how do we start to, you know, add in walks into our daily living? How do we start to, you know, break the cycle of being us, break the cycle of doing something different, right? So here I've, I've given you, you know, a lot of things to think about today, right? We've talked about, you know, why a calorie deficit. We've talked about what to do, how to calculate that, all that fabulousness, but how do I know it's working? Feel you. I got that. So for 30 days, right? So today's day one. For the next 30 days, nail my nutrition 80% of the time, right? So 80% of the time, I'm doing my best to get in whatever I calculated for my protein, doing my best to get to come as close to that calorie 
number that I calculated, right? Boom. That's where that's where we're headed. Then I check once a week, okay? Once a week, not every day. Once a week. Let's see, you know, I'm not I I know I I don't want you to do this, but I know many of you can't help yourself. Hop on the scale. See what's happening. Check my body weight measurements. How's my hunger? How's my energy? How's my craving? Am I finding myself being able to lift more weight? You know, if I started with 12 pound bicep curls, am I doing 15 pound bicep curls, right? So just see what my progress looks like over 30 days. And then if there's any tweaks. And when I say tweaks, it's not like go from making this number up. I think I said it was like 1800 calories. So let's say we're tracking to 1800 calories. I'm going to slash it to a thousand calories. No, it's like, okay, we started with 1800 calories. I did 80% of 80% of the time I was having 1800 calories. Great. Awesome. Now, maybe we say, let's see what 1,700 calories look like for you. And maybe that's the number. But then I also look at my protein. Was I having 20 grams of protein or was I having more like 100, 120 grams of protein? So we start to get data, right, versus emotion to make decisions. And so if you're like, you know, you don't want to be your own coach, raise your hand. That's what I do. I'm really good at it. I don't know. I think I am really good at it. I'm not going to say I think I know I'm very good at it. So if you need that help, that support, don't be afraid to raise your hand. Like why struggle and go for it on your own? Because these things are what's going to take to boost your metabolism. Because I see so many people like, well, my metabolism tanked when I turned 40. No, your metabolism didn't take when you turned 40. You You just are not doing the things you need to do now in your 40s that are going to give you that nice boost of metabolism. It's not avoiding sugar. It's not avoiding seed oils. It's really focusing in on dialing in my protein, taking out the extra fluff, adding in strength training, and you are going to be in really good shape because most people hate, you know, the words diet and exercise. They hate calorie counting. But if I'm truly wanting to make weight loss effortless, I got to get this part dialed in. This is starting to nail my basics. And when I get my basics nailed in, boom, this can become effortless. And I truly, truly believe that. So ladies, if you are looking for some support, I got you. I always want to help you. I always want you to not feel like you're in this constant battle against yourself, constant battle of dieting. Like that's not life, right? That's not life. We spent too much time living by, is this a good food or is this a bad food? And, you know, demonizing every damn thing I do. You are doing what you can do. You're doing fabulous this or something better. And trust me, you don't have to live your life dieting. There is something better. All right, magic makers, enjoy the rest of your day. And I will be in your ears next week. Thank you for listening to the Fit Girl Magic Podcast. If you've made it this far, yay. I'm thinking you enjoyed the show. Let's continue the conversation on Instagram. You can find me at Kim Jefferson Coach. In order for me to keep sharing this message, do me a favor and leave me a five-star review on iTunes. While you're there, don't forget to subscribe so that you won't miss an episode. New episodes are available every Wednesday. The Fit Girl Magic Podcast is intended to provide you with tips, tools, and strategies that will help you make better decisions about your health. I really appreciate your feedback and your support. Thank you so much.